Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. And it is a wonderful pleasure to see each and every one of you again on here this Tuesday, September 27th. And so whether you are um, watching us live this morning or you're catching us on replay or on podcast, what a pleasure to be together. Uh, we're going to have the privilege of hearing from Pastor Andreas Basson from Life Church in Delta, BC, uh, who's going to be walking us through Ruth chapter two in just a moment. But before we get there, let's look at our memory verse today. I encourage you, you can, everyone can mute, and then uh, you you can then just say it out loud for whatever version you have. It's John 8, 28 to 32. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but just um, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What a powerful verse. So again, today's uh, Bible reading is from Luke chapter two. Pastor Lori um, started the overview of the book yesterday. Now we are in Ruth chapter two. And so I am going to start the video from Pastor Andreas. And so here we go. Hello, Heartfelt. I hope all of you are doing well. We are in Ruth chapter 2. Now, it was Augustine who first said concerning the Bible how the Old and the New Testament work together. And we've said that throughout the Heartfelt series. But uh, he said the following He said, The new is in the old contained, and the old is in the new explained. And that is the New Testament is hinted at in the Old Testament. It is contained in there. Um, there are shadows and types and prophecies. But then when Jesus comes, it becomes the reality. It becomes the real of everything that the Old Testament is pointing towards. Now, the book of Ruth is an incredible example of this. It's, it's this foreshadowing of Jesus, of, of his redemption. Because essentially, you have a man from Bethlehem who redeems a Gentile bride and brings a Gentile bride to himself. If that's not the picture of Jesus in the church, how Jesus redeems us, the, um, the, the lost, um, the ones that's in the world, he redeems us and he brings us as a bride to himself, I don't know what is. So it's an amazing picture of, of the providence of God. It's also a picture of the conversion that happens, and there's a picture of redemption. So Ruth is an, a fabulous book, um, showing us all those things. Now, um, I want you to understand the context of, of this book also. The undercurrent of God's providence is something that runs throughout the book of Ruth, showing us that God is working even when we can't see Him working. He's right there. His providence is right there. 
The events of Ruth um, unfolded during the time of Judges. Now, we've just finished Judges. So you know it, it was a rough time. And through the book of Judges, we learn that God can work good in terrible circumstances. And even in the bleakest of times, the darkest of times, He can accomplish the brightest of things. It says in Chronicles, it says, It came to pass in the days, uh, sorry, it says in Ruth, uh, Ruth chapter 1, It came to pass in the days when judges ruled. So we know, we know that this story of Ruth takes place during the time of rebellion, um, the time of judges. The book of Judges was one of the darkest stains in Israel's ancient history. It's also a time of anarchy. Every man did whatever he wanted to do. Every man did what he thought was right in his own eyes. There was no king. Uh, there was no laws that people felt that they had to follow that was a standard. So people were breaking off restraints. They didn't obey God. They didn't go obey God's laws. And it says, it says the following, For a long time, Israel has been without one true God, without a teaching priest, and without a law. Now, if you are taking notes, uh, this comes from 2 Chronicles 15, and it says the following, and I want to read this to you. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found by them. I want to say this again. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found by he was found by them. So, so I love this. It, it was in their trouble. When they turned and, and were looking for God, God was right there. And continues on, it says, And in those days, there was no peace to the one who went out or to the one who came in. But in great turmoil, it was on all the inhabitants of the land. So nations was destroyed by nations and cities by cities, for God troubled them with every adversity. So what Ruth is experiencing, this time frame, we have to have this in our mind. She's in a time of lawlessness. It's a time where there's turmoil. It's a time of the judges. People made up their own rules and regulations. Okay, now let's go back to Ruth. Very interesting about Ruth. There are only two books in the Bible that are named after woman. Um, and they're both in the Old Testament. The one is the book of Esther. And then obviously this one, the book of Ruth. The name Ruth means friendship or companion. Or perhaps even more accurately, to, to put it this way, uh, compassionate friendship. That's what Ruth means. So she is a well-named person because if you read the, the story of Ruth, uh, she becomes somebody who is devoted to her mother-in-law. Uh, she's devoted to God's promises and to God's purposes. And she turns out to be a very compassionate, extremely sweet, godly young woman, even though she faces great hardship and, and goes to terrible turmoil. Now also... It's the only book in the Old Testament that is named after a non-Jewish person. Ruth was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. So she comes from a, the other side of the river, is how we would put it, or more accurately, the other side of the Dead Sea, the land of the Moabites. So she's the only one in the Bible who is a non-Jewish person in the New Testament who a book is named after. She's also the only one in the lineage of Jesus, in the bloodline of Jesus, who's mentioned as a book in the Bible, nobody else. So there are some great themes in this little book of Ruth that we're going to discover and on how we can apply this to our lives also. Um, 
The theme of providence is probably one of the biggest ones, meaning that we can trust God with the outcome of our lives. We can trust God with where he's leading us. We can trust God. Uh, It's the providence when God takes natural events and he weaves them together for a supernatural outcome. You might be going through hardship right now and you don't understand exactly how it's going to turn out. The book of Ruth tells us that God's providence is there for us. And I have to say, I love God's providence. It it is perhaps my favorite, one of my favorite attributes of God. One of my favorite ways that He works. He works so providentially. Some believers want miracles and they look for miracles. And good, if if you're somebody who wants to go for miracles, fantastic. I like providence better than miracles because I love the fact that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him. If you are one of those who love Him, man, you have the providence of God on your side. For me, that is in itself miraculous. But but I love the providence of God. And we see the providence of God in the story. Um, God, in a way, made that Ruth starts gleaning in the field in Boaz's field without her knowing that is Boaz's field and without knowing that he is her redeemer. God's providence is amazing. So that's one theme in in this chapter. It's also a book of conversion. Uh, We have a Gentile girl who becomes a convert to to God um, and to Israel. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. So it's a story of providence, it's a story of conversion, and then also redemption. And we see this, um, it's amazing. Uh, What I love about this is how two people fall in love. Uh, The one who owns the field, Boaz, redeems the land that he has lost from Abimelech and buys the bride, uh, not buys, gets the right, gets the right to marry Ruth. He becomes her kinsman redeemer. Now, the book of Ruth is an incredible foreshadowing of Jesus, of redemption, um, of of conversion, and of being redeemed. It's beautiful because essentially you have a man from Bethlehem who redeems a Gentile bride and brings a Gentile bride to himself. If that's not a picture of Jesus in the church, I don't know what is. So it's an amazing picture of that providence and the conversion and the redemption. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that even in the darkest periods of history, a period like the the book of Judges where where there were no morals, everybody decided their own minds, what they wanted to do, uh, what's best for them. It, It was pure anarchy that even in such confusing times, you were right there at work in the midst of all of that. You were the light in the darkest times. You were establishing the household of David when we couldn't even see it. For generations, it's been dark and bleak and there was no hope. And Father, you bring hope. You are on the throne. You are in control. You are doing something great and grand. And for those of us that's going through difficulty right now, thank you, Lord, that you are doing something great and grand in the midst of turmoil and uncertainty and and just darkness. You are the light. And I thank, I'm so thankful that this, this book reminds us again that, that we cannot make, we don't see the outcome, but, but Father, you know uh, how to lead us. You know the plans that you have for us, and we can trust that, and we are so thankful for that. Thank you, God, when we read your word, that you inspire us, that you motivate us, that you encourage us. We love you, and we love your goodness.
In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Now, now take a, a trust step with Jesus today. If the Holy Spirit brought something to your attention, I want to encourage you to share with somebody that you trust God. Share with somebody that, that you just want to declare that you, you can't see the outcome, but you know that God has got this. I want you to talk about how God can redeem your land. Come back to Him and declare again that you believe that He is powerful and that He is mighty and that He can change any situation and bring whatever has been stolen back to you. Also declare today that Jesus, even though I don't understand everything that's happening to me, I trust your hand. Will you do that? I hope so. Thank you for joining us for a quick few minutes. Now we're going to go into chapter 2 with a little bit more detail. Now chapter 2 is a romance. It's where boy meets girl. And they're going to be husband and wife. And let me just say to you, uh, to us who are married, never forget the moment you met. In fact, um, when things get a little crazy, crazy and dicey in your relationship, get alone and just remember the first time you laid eyes on your wife. And how you went, wow. And, and then, ladies, how you went, wow. And then I hope that your heart flutters again. I want you to remember that. I still remember the first time I saw Ermery walking um, into the back of the church. And, and I saw her. And afterwards, I went to her parents and said, can I marry her when she turns 21? I heard wedding bells the first time I saw her. Now, this couple is very, if opposite attract, they are perfect for each other because they are so opposite. He's rich. She's poor. He's Jewish, she's not. She's a Gentile, she's a Moabite. He's the owner of a field. She's a gleaner in the field. He's single, she's widowed. They are very, very opposite. But a romance, they're going to overlook all those things and they're going to love each other. And somebody once said, that the key to a good marriage relationship is to keep your eyes wide open before marriage and half shut after marriage and I'm sure some of you can agree with that because we don't stay the same and there are some things that we don't know about when we get married so half shut okay now it, it, let's read and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband a, a man of great wealth of the family of of the family of Elimelech his name was Boaz and so Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said, go, my daughter. And she left and went and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, whose family, who is family of Elimelech. Now, the gleaning was an ancient means of God taking care of poor people. So, so what happens is Ruth speaks to Naomi, Naomi, I want to go glean in the fields. She starts gleaning and then she gets to the field of Boaz. This is where we are at right now. So she's gleaning. So gleaning was, was how God took care of poor people in the Bible. God is concerned for the poor. Uh, and in antiquity, one of God's ways to take care of the poor wasn't welfare system um, where we just hand out, but it was a gleaning system. So, so you are commanded in Leviticus 23 that when you reap your fields, you only go through your fields once. You don't go through them again. You leave some of the fruit on the vine, some of the fruit on the trees, some of the wheat in the stalks. You go through it once 
and then you leave the rest. And they left up to, in most cases, 25% of the crop in the field. And that was so that the fatherless, the widow, the poor of the land, the stranger of the land could come, come and take and have food and pick. So it wasn't like, we'll collect it and we're just going to give it to you. No, they had to labor for it. Labor was involved. You had to work for it. So there's dignity in the work, right? You're giving a man and a woman their dignity because they have to go in and get it. It's not just a handout. I love that. I wish that, that we will turn back to that again. But if you're a rich landowner, you leave some of it. So, so they came and they, and they would come and pick later after the harvesters have gone through. So that's gleaning in the field. So she's out gleaning in the field in Bethlehem. Now behold, Boaz from Bethlehem said to the reapers, this is his workers now, the Lord be with you. Um, and they answered him, the Lord bless you. Now can, I can just say, I mean, I've been on many uh, job sites, construction sites, um, and I have to say, I've never heard that type of language in today's modern construction or fielding. Hey, the Lord be with you. Um, that's not something that you would hear. But what, what this tells me, what strikes me, is the personality of Boaz. He seems to be a very generous and big-hearted, uh, a spiritual man, the Lord, the Lord. And he's going to take notice of Ruth. He's going to take note of her. So let's continue on. So uh, just for, for all the ladies who are watching, if you are not married, I want to encourage you make sure that whenever you are going after a husband, make sure that, that he has the qualities of somebody who is after God. Um, the Lord be with you. It's so important. It's probably one of the most important things that, that you can have in the marriage because when it comes to, to marriage counseling, and you, you must have somebody that has the same values as you have. So, so women and men, make sure of that. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Don't be mismated with an unbeliever. Make sure that your man is a godly man. So, so Boaz was a godly man. Let's go back to verse 2. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain. Now that's hard work. So, so here's some characteristics about Ruth. And her mother-in-law said, okay, um, go. She said, please, can I go work? Can I go sweat? Um, sweat it out today in the fields, please. So she said, please let me glean. Now she's speaking to Boaz in verse 7, and gather after the reapers. Now notice how polite she is also. And I just wanted to point that out also. He is spiritual and he has a large personality and a large heart and a generous heart. But she is also very, very sweet to her mother-in-law. She is pleasant. She is kind. And she goes to Boaz, please, please, can, can, I, can I come and glean in your land? Now moms and dads, if you have teenage sons and daughters, um, that came to you and said, mom, dad, please can I clean my room and then clean up the rest of the house? You might need therapy for a month or two. It's not something you'd expect, but this girl is sweet and polite and she says, please. Now I want you to think about how, how this, this happens and how, what she's going through. She has lost her father-in-law, Elimelech. She has lost her husband. She has made a long journey. She's in a foreign place. She seems to be untainted by all of this she's not weathered she's not beaten down or hard or these harsh circumstances of her life it hasn't beaten her down to the place where she's bitter she's like still please please can i can i come can i go glean boaz can i come glean 
That's amazing. I, I just love that. Okay, so, so it shows that attitude is important, in my opinion. What makes a woman more attractive than anything is the attitude. She might not have the looks, but man, when she has that attitude of servant and love, uh, I, I just think it's the most attractive thing there is. So Boaz said to his servants in verse 5, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So now he's talking about Ruth. The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and he continued from morning until evening until now. She rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field. Though she could. The Lord said that she could go into any field that she wants. So, so now Boaz is saying to Ruth, you will listen to me, would you not? Don't go to another field. Stay in mine. But he says, no need to go into any other field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field, which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink from what the young, young men have drawn. I love this. This is the, like the first anti-sexual harassment law in history. And it's Boaz. He said, listen, I've already instructed the young man to lay off you. Now, I want you to know, obviously, Ruth was a very beautiful woman. But he says, don't make a pass on her. Just let her do a thing and reap. Then it goes on. She fell on her face bowed down on the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Since I am a foreigner. Again, that humility, I love that. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me that you have done what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of, of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to people whom you do not know. The Lord repay your work. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have com comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. So she, she had this conversation and she, she had this conversation when Boaz says, so I know exactly what you've gone through. I know that you've left your parents, you've left your country, and you are serving your mother-in-law. You've lost your husband and you've lost your father-in-law. So you don't even have a man over you right now. And he says, but God's going to bless you. Now Boaz says to her in verse 14, at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread. Dip your piece of bread into the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and passed the parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she arose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. Let her take whatever she wants, whatever she finds. Also, get this. Also, let some grain from the bundles that you are carrying, you reapers, let some of that fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean. Do not rebuke her. So she gleaned out on the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. So again, this girl works hard. She worked the whole day and then she beats it out. And it was about an ephah of barley. It's about a half month's worth of wages. 
She took it up, went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave it to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And the mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? This is like a gold mine. Where did you go? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. Because it was, you know, she, she brought back two weeks worth of food. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Praise God. Blessed be he of the Lord, for he had not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, The man is a relative of ours, a kinsman, one of our near kinsmen. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He also said to me, He shall stay close, I shall stay close to the young men until they have finished all their harvest. So she, she can come back and she can do it again. And Naomi said to Ruth, the daughter in law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with the young men and women, and that people do not meet you in any other field. Stay in that field. Now, here, here is what I like about Naomi. Ruth was married to her son one time, and her son died. Now that she meets Boaz, Ruth meets Boaz, the mom puts two and two together. She goes, this could be our kinsman redeemer. We can be redeemed from our poverty. This could mean possible marriage. So she figures it all out. And she's not withholding Ruth from the possibilities that's lying ahead for her. I love that the mother-in-law was not restricting Ruth at all. So, so she's blessing this idea. She's releasing her into her future possibilities, which is one of the best gifts any parent can give their child. I always ask my children, uh, what do your parents think? Oh, I always ask children, not my children. What do your parents think of your relationship? And they say, oh, you know, some of them think it's great. Some of them think it's not. Some of them don't think it's the right person for me. Um, children, I, I, I do want to say, listen to the blessing of your parents. It's very important. But parents, I want you to be open eyes. Don't hold your kids back from their future. We have to be aware that God has got plans for them also. So it goes on to verse 20, 23, and we close the chapter um, there. So she stayed close to the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law there. Now the undercurrent of this book is the providence of God. The timing was already perfect. Uh, when when we, we learn about this, it is the beginning of the barley harvest. The place is the field where Boaz is. She could have gone to any field. But all of these things are lining up. And God is the one who is working in all of these things. God works together for good to those who love him. And by the end of the book, we're going to have the genealogy of David already formed and mentioned. And that brings us forward. And that launches us forward to eventually see the Messiah the son of David, Jesus Christ, later on come because of this. God's providence is amazing. It might be hard work, but if you are diligent and you keep doing what God has told you to do, if you keep going out and gleaning and working and trusting God, you will see how God will bless your work. And I hope that this chapter inspires you that even through sweat and uncertainty, God's got your back. Thank you for listening and thank you for reading with us. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us today. A heartstrong disciple of Jesus is one who has been saved by grace and is becoming more like Jesus by abiding in Him, learning how Jesus lived, and following in His ways. 
One of the ways we are helping you become HeartStrong is through the monthly training plan, which breaks down how you can practice and develop your spiritual disciplines. Each month, you will find the theme and the focus for the month, a scripture to memorize, a fasting and a Sabbath practice, all of your Bible study, events and schedules and links, questions for personal reflection, and additional recommended content for the weekend. Of course, you have to be a HeartStrong member to access this awesome resource. So visit heartstrong.life and click membership to join. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples together. Heartstrong.